I was walking through the fixed department the other day and I saw this case and um, it looked just a little odd in the box so I had to take a little closer look at it to see what was uh, was going on and I'm not you know I don't want to sound like um, I don't feel sorry for uh, the doctor here because I know that this had to be a a frustrating case when you look what we received here and uh, you look at all the different impressions that this doctor took. So we've got uh, two uh, full arch impressions and then we've got three uh, quadrant impressions and it's actually a good size case. He's got eight units here um, that he's prepared as we'll see when we look a, a little closer um, at the models. But just to look at the impressions first and maybe the reasons why um, there needed to be so many uh, impressions. Um, I'm okay with a uh, tray like this, you know, a stock plastic tray. I use all custom trays, but I'm, I cheat a little bit because I'm practicing inside the laboratory. I realize if you could snap your fingers and get a free custom tray like I do, I don't pay for them, that, uh, that you would do it as well. Um, so all I can tell you is that I get good results. Some dentists will take the next step and make them in their own office or actually ask for them. But uh, when I was out in private practice, I was using trays like this all the time. And as long as they fit well and this one appears to, great, no big deal. Um, but I noticed that uh, there really doesn't seem to be um, a lot of retraction going on. As we zoom in a little bit and look at some of these uh, margins of these impressions up close, hopefully I've, uh, I know I do at my lectures, I really try to uh, have dentists kind of drill into their mind what an ideal uh, impression will look like. In fact, we'll throw up a picture of one right here so you can see what an ideal impression looks like. And what it looks like is it's got material, a fin of material beyond the margin. We have to be able to see some material beyond the margin. And if the end of the impression is right at the margin, that is not going to be adequate. And so when I look at this, I notice that. I also notice just the one viscosity of material. You know, I don't think that's that big of a deal if you pack cord. I use that two cord technique and frankly, I think one viscosity, I think I could get decent results with just heavy body with that two cord technique because you have a huge sulcus that you could drop your car keys into. And again, that's not skill on my part. If anything, it's discipline. You know, it's the discipline of doing the two cord technique and it's letting my assistant, you know, uh, get in, hop in and do some of the cord packing, which she's allowed to do in California. But when you have a sulcus that open and that wide, there's no doubt you're going to be able to just get any impression material in there. If you're going to use something without retraction, that's when you're going to want to use, you know, an extra light body. Not that I even believe that works. You know, I really don't think there's any material that's thin enough, and I don't think you can generate enough force with this heavy body stuff to push uh, impression material subgingival, to push the tissue away from the tooth and, and really be able to get in there. I think you need a clean, dry sulcus. You know, most of these materials are hydrophobic unless they're polyether, and this might be a polyether, but I still don't think you can generate enough pressure to really get it down there compared to that two-cord technique. I've tried it. I've, you know, tried the different techniques, frankly, looking for shortcuts, looking for an easier way to do it and haven't seen them. So th those are kind of the impressions, and five of them I know is super frustrating for that doctor to have to do. Also not a big fan of, um, of wax bites. Um, this doctor is in the eastern United States, and so these were flown um, across the country, and we, we definitely see distortion. Now, he did make it nice and thick. I appreciate the fact that they're nice and thick because they're much less likely to distort when they're thick like this. It's when we have one single sheet that it's a little difficult to do, but the patient um, 
sometimes has a hard time closing into this thicker wax. So if you're going to do a wax bite, this is the way to do it. You can see how, how many sheets are rolled all the way around there. But uh, we feel uh, much better with something uh, like a blue mousse, you know, a very stiff polyvinyl siloxane, or my favorite, the Luxabite, which is actually a bisacryl, like a tempering material. And that you can hit with a hammer and it won't break. So we're always a little bit worried about the wax uh, distorting, especially when we have eight preps and that gives us, you know, fewer teeth to be able to hand articulate um, the models with. So, uh, but we were able to mount the models and when we look at the mounting itself, it appears that um, it is correct. You know, as we look at how everything lines up here, we feel like, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty close. Uh, but it would be nice if we could, uh, you know, have something a little harder like um, a bisacryl material. So, now let's take a look at uh, some of the preparations here since we've seen the impressions and see if we see any signs of tissue retraction. And um, you know you can see some signs of where we went in and tried to trim stuff looking for some of the margins. You know, that's a burr mark. Um, but when we're looking or even over on this side for signs of retraction, signs of a wide open sulcus where we could get material beyond the margin, we don't see um, a lot of that. And by the way, these marks, I'm sure, you know, you're, you know as well as I do what those are from. Those are from uh, removing the old crowns uh, that were in place. And, uh, and I only p point this out because this is something that is kind of a big deal for Bruxer when you're removing Bruxer. And, and the doctor actually has requested Bruxer crowns here. And when you're cutting through Bruxer, you want to make sure that you've got some zirconia optimized burrs. Uh, we sell some here. Axis uh, has some burrs. Uh, and so does Brassler. You just want to make sure you're using zirconia optimized burrs and you want to make sure you're not putting a lot of pressure down on here. In fact, I usually start over here at the um, junction of the uh, buckle and the occlusal and I'll take the middle third of my burr. Let's just pretend this perio probe is a burr and I'll take it, the middle third of the burr, I won't use the tip and I won't go to the gingival. I just start right here at the thick part of the crown and I just go back and forth like this. In fact, we have a video online of me cutting off a Bruxer crown. I go back and forth until I expose a little piece of the tooth, a little section of the tooth under through the crown. So I just keep going back and forth, back and forth, taking it off till I can see that little piece of tooth. And once you've established the depth of the tooth, then I kind of start to unzip it. And so I'll go from that spot and start rolling it up because now I know I'm down to my depth. And so I keep rolling it until I can see tooth structure. And then I roll it down this way and start pushing it towards the gingival, you know, pushing the tip of the bird down as it's, as it's moving once I've exposed the tooth. Because otherwise, if you just lean on the Bruxer and try to cut through it, as you cut through it, it's such a, a stiff material that as you fall through the Bruxer, you could go into the tooth and leave um, grooves like that. And we're, we try not to do that. It still happens from time to time, regardless of what you're cutting off. I always turn to my assistant and I say, I've decided to place an anti-rotational groove in the tooth. And she looks at me like, uh, no, you didn't. You just kind of lost control of what you were doing. But how is she going to prove it? She doesn't know what's going on in my mind. And then we look here as well, and again, you can see, you know, some separation in a spot or two where might, maybe there was cord, but you can see there what looks to be uh, tissue that's been coagulated with an astringent. So we can kind of see the margin most of the way around on, uh, on those two teeth, and then it gets a little sketchier uh, here on some of these preparations uh, on the upper teeth as well. And so uh, if we look together to see how we did in terms of reduction, well, that's plenty. That is plenty for Bruxer. That's, that's actually enough um, uh, for Emacs as well. So that's uh, a great job on reduction uh, done by this doctor. And uh, yeah, that's you know, a millimeter and a half. 
two millimeters and a millimeter and a half there. So that's, um, that's plenty for Bruxer. Those, those restorations will last a good long time. And then, of course, we have a ton here where these two teeth were prepped, and Bruxer's fine with that. And we have enough on the two buys. Little tight here, obviously, to me, this is out of my comfort zone for Emacs on a tooth like this, uh, but Bruxer, you know, we've got close to a millimeter here and uh, maybe a little less, but Bruxer will do fine uh, at anything thicker than, I like to say, 0.6 millimeters. Um, most of our advertisements will say 0.5. I say 0.6 because I have a 0.6 millimeter depth cutter on my burr kit, so I can accurately establish what 0.6 millimeters of reduction actually looks like. So great job done on the occlusal reduction there. And considering that's the number one problem that we see in the laboratory, uh, it's really nice to see a doctor um, you know, prep eight teeth and have enough reduction uh, on all of them. So uh, if anything, to me, as I look back at this case, and we're going to need even more, a couple more new impressions to get started here so we can clearly see the margin. Um, to me, this comes really down more to the impressions itself. The preps, the occlusal reduction, nothing wrong with those. Those are all going to work when we can see uh, the margins, and if you hate packing cord, I get that. It's not fun. I, I always pack the first cord. I pack the double zero, then my assistant puts the two cord on top of that when I'm out of the room. But if you don't like uh, packing cord, I, I get it. I understand it. And especially on a case like this where all the teeth are posterior teeth, but that's a perfect time to hop in with a diode laser. You know, and now you look at something like the Picasso Light from AMD Lasers, it's just barely over $2,000. And you can just go in with that laser and just take that diode laser and just zip around the teeth, zip around the teeth and trough those teeth. It removes some tissue while you do it, but um, you know that's really not a big price to pay in the posterior. Uh, when it comes to anterior teeth, you know I'm much more hesitant to use uh, troughing, laser troughing in the anterior because as you go in, this tissue is so thin right along here that as you go into trough in that area, you actually lose some height and I re-expose my margin again. But teeth like this, like these three teeth uh, and these three preps over here, just grab that diode and go in there and just remove that tissue. As soon as you remove that tissue, it looks like you were using the two-core technique because you've got a wide open sulcus where you almost can't help but get a great impression. So I get not wanting to pack cord, uh, but if you don't pack cord, you got to hop in there with a diode laser and do something because just trying to force... Uh, one viscosity of material, or even two viscosities of material, even if there was some extra light body in here, it's just difficult to force it down into a wet sulcus with a hydrophobic material. So, uh, got no problem avoiding the cord, but you're going to want to grab that diode laser. And really, as soon as this tissue is cleared up from around these teeth and we get a good impression, this is going to be a great case for this doctor because the preparation uh, looks really nice. So, again, um, only critiques here would be on the impression technique itself and uh, the bite registration, even though it appears to work here. Um, I, if you're using a distance laboratory, which would be anybody you're sending it to, whether they're on the other side of the state or the other side of the country, I feel a lot more confident with the more stable uh, Luxa bite, or you could certainly use the Blue Moose material as well. So hopefully when we get the new impression back from the doctor, we'll be able to see all those margins very clearly, and we can go ahead and help this doctor and this patient end up with a successful case.